Amen. Right, so Job chapter 27, or Job chapter 27, and we're going to look from verse 3, Job 27 verse 3, which is, All the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you. Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. I love that little passage in Job 27 there, and particularly the second part of verse 5, which reads, Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And that's the title of my sermon today, I will not remove mine integrity from me. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue. Father, thank you for, um, for this, this great passage of the Bible. Thank you um, for the great principles of the Bible, the great lessons that we could learn. And, and please help me to teach this one just, just accurately. Uh, help me to preach boldly, Lord. Help me, please just fill me with your spirit. Help those here to have attentive ears and attentive hearts. And uh, Lord, just, just help everyone to be able to apply this to their lives. And in Jesus' name, we pray all of this. Amen. Okay, so what's, what's integrity? What is integrity? Well, uh, dictionary.com and Collins dictionaries both say the exact same thing, which is adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, honesty. Webster's 1828 says moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty. Oxford Dictionary says the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. And Cambridge says the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles that you, you refuse to change. So for me, and we'll see this in scripture as obviously, you know, the dictionaries have to line up with scripture, but I believe they do here, which is that having integrity is having strong, unmovable moral uprightness and honesty and they go hand in hand, okay? So the honesty goes hand in hand with the moral uprightness. There's, it's no good having one without the other, right? So you, you find someone who you think, oh, they're just so morally upright, but they're just so dishonest. Well, for me, they're not morally upright, yeah? And, oh, well, they're, they're so honest. They're so honest about their wickedness. Well, to me, you'll generally find that they're not really that honest in many other areas of life as well. They go hand in hand. Integrity is, is the whole package. You're not going to say, well, she's got great morals, but she lies a lot. Yeah, you're going to say that about someone. He's he's such a you know he's such a morally upright person, but he just cannot stop lying. You can't believe a word of what he says. Now they go hand in hand. Integrity is both together. When it comes to integrity, Job was a man with integrity, wasn't he? Job was a man with integrity. Go back to the beginning of Job. We're just going to have a quick look at this. In the book of Job, if you remember the the book, he's tested beyond most people's limits, yet he doesn't lose his integrity. Satan tells God that if Job has lost all he has, he would curse God to his face. And in a day, in just one day, he loses all of his wealth, his employees are all killed, and then his ten children are killed too. All in the space of, well, he's told it all within, it seems like, minutes. Well, if you look at Job chapter 1 and verse 22, though, we read, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly how many could say that here and again you could just gloss over the book of job oh yeah he lost you know 10 children 10 children 10 children in a day all 10 of his children were murdered basically well at least you know the the, the house i think collapsed on them 10 children died in a day his his servants murdered his his all his flocks he had 
wealth beyond anyone's imagination, all gone in a day. And yet in all this, he sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I don't think many of us could say that. But then that wasn't just kind of where it ended. Then it was time for round two. Look at Job chapter two and verse three. And the Lord said unto Satan, this is Job 2, 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and estureth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. So even God recognises Job's integrity, yeah? Look at verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. So this is a, basically a piece of broken pot that he's scraping. He's got boils from his head down to the soles of his feet. And look, might think, well, well, you know, I've, I've had a boil, you know, I've had a boil before. This is for basically head to toe, he's covered in them. Can you imagine the pain walking them? The pain on top of the emotional pain that he's going through as well. He's just lost, like I said, all his children, his livelihood, and now he's covered head to toe in boils. Then said his wife unto him, Does thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. So his wife's now telling him to, to curse God, to turn on God. And again, I'm sure many people would be saying to God, they would maybe be cursing God. I think most people would. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive God at the, uh, good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Sometimes some wives need reproving, right? And, and Job told her she was speaking like a fool. Was that sinful? No, it wasn't. Okay, sometimes people need telling that they speak like a fool. And at this, at this point in time, she was speaking like a fool. Job tells her that. But we see that the integrity of Job meant that he could go through all of this and not curse God. And again, I don't think probably anyone here could have gone through this, let alone go through it without cursing God. Now, the testing doesn't stop there. He then has his three friends these, these great, no, they're miserable comforters, okay, come, and they're meant to be to cheer him up, right, they come to, to, to comfort him, well, they end up spending how many chapters of the book of Job trying to convince him that he's to blame for it all, right, so they're just sitting there trying to find somewhere or other that Job's to blame, and it's during all of this that in chapter 27, Job makes this statement where we started, Job 27 verse 3, he said, all the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you till I die. I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. So he's lost everything. His 10 children have died at once. He's covered head to toe with some horrible disease and his friends are trying to convince him that he's to blame. But Job said, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And, and that's something that every single person here should be saying as well. Every single one of us here should be saying, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And that's everyone from men to women to children here. That's how we should 
be planning to live, right? That's how we should be aiming to be like. This is, oh, well, that's Job. That's Job. I'm just going to lie through my teeth. I'm just going to live in wickedness. Well, I'm just a sinner like everyone else. No, we should all be trying our best. We should be saying, no, till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. Job didn't say, till I die, I will never sin. He didn't say that. He said, but he will not remove his integrity from him. Because integrity isn't so popular nowadays, is it? Ever notice that? Having integrity doesn't seem that popular in our world. Being morally upright and honest isn't so popular. But since when should we, as Baptists, care about popularity? Sadly, a lot of Baptists do seem to claim about popularity. But us, as Bible-believing Baptists, shouldn't care about popularity, should we? We should care about what's right. We should care about what God wants, what God tells us how we should live. How should this look amongst God's people, though? Okay, in this day and age, how should this look? What are we aiming to be like? What should we be described as? Well, you know why I love this passage so much? Is because I believe it sums up integrity in just these few verses. It just sums it up. It explains what it means to have integrity. Job said in verse 3, All the while my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Do you know what someone with integrity says? They say that whilst I'm alive on this earth, whilst God allows me to live, that's what he's saying, whilst God allows me to live on this earth, I will not speak wickedness. I will not lie or be at all deceitful. Okay, that should be our aim. That should be our goal. That's what we should be saying, right? I will not. I will not. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now, is Job talking about the world's definition of a swear word here? Is that what he's talking about when he talks about wickedness? Is he saying that he won't say the word hell? Is that what he's saying? I won't say the word, I won't say the word bloody. I won't say the word bastard. Is that what he's talking about? He's not, is he? Is he talking, is he talking about the world's definition of wickedness or is he talking about God's definition of wickedness? talking about gods he's talking about the wickedness that can be done with the mouth now the most extreme would be damnable heresies wouldn't it that would be the most extreme type of wickedness damnable heresies but you know there's a lot of wicked heresies as well aren't there that are what we just call heresies that aren't it doesn't mean someone's unsaved it doesn't mean they're a damnable heretic but there are a lot of heresies in the world aren't there and i would say that's wickedness with your mouth and we should be, look, anyone standing behind this pulpit, that's something they should be saying straight away is, I will, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Yeah, we should be trying our utmost. When I'm behind this pulpit, I'm trying my utmost. I do not want to be preaching falsehoods. I do not want to be preaching my own, just my own idea on things. I want to make sure that I, I really believe what I'm preaching, right? And that should be everyone else. That should be everyone in men's preaching nights. And as men preach behind this pulpit, that should be everyone around the world, shouldn't it? Behind a pulpit, preaching, claiming to preach the word of God. Yet, the, the word of God, yet how many heresies do you hear from pulpits of people that seem to be saved men of God why for popularity for popularity so often I, I was just thinking just the, the obvious ones that the, the pre-trib fraud it's 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 wickedness it's speaking wickedness because it's a lie and it's it's not in the word of God it's not in the word of God that's why they can't use verses that's why they have to do mental gymnastics to preach it is speaking wickedness your 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 tongue is uttering deceit the Zionism fraud it's a fraud and it's wickedness because what it does, it makes all, all these 
what seem to be God's people around the world worship, worship the Jew. Worship these God-hating, Christ-hating, blasphemous devils. It makes people want to send them money, send them cash, waste how many hours of their lives praying for these people. It's a joke, isn't it? An absolute joke. But there's other things, aren't there? We've obviously experienced railing and slander, false accusations. It's wickedness, isn't it? My, my lips said, Job shall not speak wickedness. Wouldn't it be good if, if people that claim to be at least God's people said the same thing? They shall not speak wickedness because it is wickedness. Slander in any form, whether you think it's a minor or not, is wicked, isn't it? You know full well someone didn't say something. You know full well that someone isn't or hasn't done something that you're claiming. You're still saying that. That's wickedness, isn't it? Your lips are speaking wickedness. But so is trying to hurt people with your words. Look, the, the tongue's an unruly evil, isn't it? And how many people will just try and hurt people with their words? However subtly they think it might be as well, it's still just trying to hurt people. If you think about the amount of passive-aggressive comments you come across, the amount of just little, little, just a little sarcastic comment here, a little hurtful dig there, a little, maybe just a little question there, just to try and just, just get some effect with their mat. It's wicked, isn't it? It's speaking wickedness because it's not, it's, it's not coming of God, is it? Now, turn to 1 uh, Peter chapter 2, which for me has a nice checklist on these sorts of things. 1 Peter 3.10, I'm going to read while you turn there, says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Guile, sneaky little things, sneaky little comments. Sneaky little ways of bringing something up in a conversation to get a result. It's guile, isn't it? Oh, well, just kind of, uh, if I just steer the conversation this way, then this will come into conversation and I'll get what I want. Then I'll be, it's all guile, isn't it? It's guile. We shouldn't be acting like that. That's not so, does someone with integrity use guile like that? Is that, is, that, is that how we should be acting as Christians? No, but that's how the world, and sadly, that's how so many Christians do act, don't they? That's how so many Christians behave. And they always think they're cleverer than they are. And it really bugs you, doesn't it? When you go away from a conversation, you could just see how they were just trying to angle it, angle it, angle it, just trying to get in this little, find a way, getting in this little dig, this little comment. We shouldn't behave like that, should we? First Peter 2, 1 has a little list here. It says, wherefore, laying aside all malice, which is extreme enmity or spite, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. And I think it's all evil speakings, basically, just including any other sort of evil speakings. Because when you're feeling spite towards someone, when you're trying to craftily insult them using guile, hypocritical judgments of people, envious comments, it's all wickedness, isn't it? It's all wickedness. And it's definitely not the sign of integrity. You don't look at someone behaving like that. When you think, and a lot of people, when they think of someone with integrity, they think of maybe some old-fashioned gentleman. Yeah, maybe that's who you, maybe that's who you picture. Maybe you don't. Maybe that's just me. But I, I picture some old-fashioned gentleman, raised well, you know, raised in the things of God. And I don't picture them trying to, like, little dig here, little comment there in a conversation. I just see them as straight down the line. Yeah, straight down the line. If they've got something to say, they'll say it, right? If they don't, don't say it. Yeah, pretty simple, isn't it? Yet, it doesn't seem like that nowadays. You don't, you don't meet many people like that nowadays, do you? 
He said, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. And the thing is, is all of that stuff, all that wickedness, it's usually deceitful, isn't it? So it goes hand in hand with the deceit part. My tongue, nor my tongue utter deceit, Job said. It will not, his tongue will not utter deceit. The sneaky comment that could just be shrugged off as innocent. It's just deceit really, isn't it? That the envious put down, where, where envy will never be admitted though, is just deceitful really, isn't it? The, the, the subtle seed sown to get what you want, it's deceit. Because you're not just coming out and saying it, instead I'm just going to subtly angle it this way to then try and then get what I want out of you. But nowadays you have people claiming to be saved Bible-believing Baptist Christians who will openly just encourage people to lie, will openly encourage other Christians to just lie. Yeah, and, and look, I'm sure if you started thinking about it, you probably even, sadly, in our church here, or obviously where, where we were before, but we are the church, you know, in South End, you could probably look back at situations where you, there are people in this church that said to you, just lie, just lie. You know, I've heard it. Just say this to your boss. Just say this. Just say this to your husband. Why don't you just say this to your husband? Just tell your wife this. Or don't tell brother Ian. Or blah, blah. And, and look, that stuff has happened around our church. I know it's happened because of federal reports. Because they end up telling me in the end, you know, where people say that. Because it, what on earth? Why, why do Christians behave like that? Why do people behave like that? And look, some won't have been Christians. Some were frauds. But... Do you know what the man with integrity says? Do you know what the woman with integrity says? Do you know what the child with integrity says? They say, all the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. That's how we should behave. That's how we should. It shouldn't be something that we're so open, we're so brazen about it, that we'll just talk to other Christians, go, oh, well, you should just say this. Just do this. Well, I just lied about that. Well, I just thought I'd just lie to get out of this situation. Your instinct reaction when something affects your pride or your ego, is it just to lie? Well, I'll just lie about this. Well, I'll just lie my way out of it. And so many people do it, don't you? And, and, I, and just, a, just a quick reminder on this one. I've said it before from the pulpit. Just because someone can't prove you're lying doesn't mean you're not lying. How many times do you come across people that do that? They'll just lie to your face. But because you can't prove to them they're lying, it's, it's like, well, that's okay, is it? No, it's not okay, because we both know you're lying. Yeah, it's embarrassing, isn't it? And look, some people might have that automatic reaction to do that in situations, but you need to, you need to get a hold of yourself and go, no, sorry, that, that's not actually true. Yeah, some, look, it's something that we, look, we as Christians need to make sure we don't have that as part of our character, because that is not integrity, is it? It's not integrity at all. How many people do that? And it's a far cry, isn't it? How we want to be, how Job is here, is a far cry from the world that we live in today, where deceit is everywhere you look, isn't it? Absolutely everywhere. And, and look, I'm not going to go into one, because I don't, think, I don't think you even need that preaching. It's everywhere. Deceit, every angle. It's just encouraged. It's just fair game. It's par for the course. Uh, I was just talking to a brother before church, just mentioned what the sermon title was. He's telling me about people from his you know, work. He turns up at a job and, and, and the office have just been telling lies about why they couldn't get to this job. And you're just on the spot where they're going, so what's your excuse this time? You're thinking, what on earth? Because that's just standard, isn't it? Standard, just working for deceitful people, being around deceitful people. And it's tiring. It's tiring dealing with liars, isn't it? It tires me out. 
I, I, I can't stand it. I, I hate being around these sorts of people. It's just frustrating. It's tiring. You can't go, you're lying, because then they have this mock offence as well, even though we both know they're lying. People that just lie through their teeth. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Whose instinct reaction is just to lie. Like I said, everything, just, just quick lie. Quick lie. You know, lie their way out of this. Lie their way out of that. Well, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Because... Did you know that God hates lying? Anyone know that? Because you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it, sadly, probably in, in most churches today. No, God does hate lying. He abhors it. He despises it. Yet so many Christians, so many Christians will condemn the smoker. So many Christians will condemn the swearer. So many Christians will condemn the non-homeschooler. All things based on principles in the Bible, yes, Yet they will then openly encourage a sin that is clear as day in the Bible. Clear as day. It's clear as day that we shouldn't lie. Yet they love to condemn the things which there isn't a thou shalt, a thou shalt not, or something clear as day in the Bible. Yet, and, and they're just open liars. And they just lie through their teeth. And it's a serious thing. Look at Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue. Second on the list, a lying tongue. He hates it. These six things does the Lord hate. They're an abomination unto him. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren. Now, notice how it's six things and then it turns to seven. The seventh is he that soweth discord among brethren, isn't it? Uh, for me, is that. And, and I believe that the discord sower, the division cause, cause is usually made up of these other six things on this list. And, and in my experience, that's what I generally see, is those other six things being part of the division cause of the, the he that soweth discord among brethren. And God hates it. It's an abomination unto him. Now, God hates a lying tongue. That's why back in Job 27, he said, if you go back to Job 27, Job said... My lips, in verse 4, shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Okay, that's something we should be saying, right? My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. And I include children here as well. Okay, it's serious. Oh, well, they're just kids. They're going to lie through their teeth. No, no, it's serious. It's serious. That, that's, that behaviour should get a thrashing. Some things shouldn't, but that behaviour should get a thrashing. We should be teaching, we should be drilling integrity into our, into our family, shouldn't we, men? Yeah? Mums as well should be drilling that into their children. Integrity. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you. Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. God forbid that I should justify you, he said. Because his friends, like most people, want to be justified when telling you how sinful that you are, don't they? Yeah, they want to be justified. They want to somehow have a reason to be telling you, yeah, so-called Christian. So-called Christian, but he calls in sick to work when there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah? So-called Christian, but he pretends there's traffic every time he's late. She pretends there's traffic every time she's late to every appointment, every meeting. It's apparently always traffic. And that gets a bit tiring that after a while, doesn't it? It's just, just leave earlier, right? Yeah? So-called Christian, but she's constantly making me feel small. So-called Christian, but she always just 
somehow comes out with some little comment, some little dig to make me feel crap about myself. So-called Christian, but they lie to their parents about what they're doing. So-called Christian, but amongst their friends, they lie about where they are, why they're not home yet, etc. When you talk about older kids, especially. But those with integrity say, God forbid that I should justify you. God forbid that I should justify those that want to find fault in me. Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. That's something that we should have as a motto. Who removes your integrity, by the way? Who removes it? Is it the, is it the, the upbringing? Is it the, the school system? Is it the media? No. Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. You do. It's your choice. It's up to you, ultimately. There's no one else to blame for it. It's you that removes your integrity. It's you that has to choose to say, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. It's you who removes it. It's you who doesn't remove it. It's up to you. It's no, it's no good blaming other people. It's no good blaming whatever it is. Blaming your, you name it, your, your mental health. Blaming your whatever it is. That's why I cannot be where I said I'm going to be. That's why I cannot just, just do what I said I was going to do. No, it's you. You remove it. You have to take responsibility. That's who it comes down to. It's you. Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. That's what we should be saying. The bad influences can't remove it. The world can't remove it. The tribulation you're in can't remove it. It's you that chooses to remove it. It's you that chooses to lie. It's you that chooses to just forego any moral uprightness you felt you had. It's you. That's who it comes down to. He said in verse 6, My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. So that's holding on to your righteousness as tight as you can, yeah? That's how the person with integrity thinks, yeah? That's how they think. They think, no, I will not let it go. I'm holding it fast. I will be righteous. I will live right. I will resist sin. I will follow God's commandments. I will not let my righteousness go. That's someone with integrity, isn't it? Is that someone with integrity? But shouldn't we all have integrity? We're all God's people. We all have the word of God. What did Job have? What did Job have at that point? Nothing like we do, a complete word of God. Did Job have it being preached to him? Wednesday, Sundays, I don't know. I don't know, there's some different theories of when Job lived, but I tell you what, he didn't have the full word of God. He didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yeah, we have more reason than Job to be able to say that. To be able to say, till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. But how many of us will find excuses? How many people in this room now will find excuses as to why they're justified in lying through their teeth? Why they're justified in, in just giving up on that particular part of holiness. Well, well, that bit, well, I'm just not that good at that. Well, you know, I've got an excuse for that. It's not good enough, is it? It's not good enough. I will not let my righteousness go, is what he's saying here. My righteousness, I hold fast and will not let it go. Because that's something we hear a lot, isn't it? It's just, well, that's just me. You know, that's the way I was raised. That's the way I am. I didn't come from a Christian background, so it's okay to behave like this. But it's not, is it? It's not okay. 
And if that is the case, if you're sitting there going, yeah, but I didn't have a pretty rough, because some people maybe had a rough upbringing, right? Yeah, maybe you sat, maybe, look, actually, you don't know what my parents were like, brother Ian, yeah? You, you don't know what, what I had to put up with. You don't know what I did, what's happened in my life. You don't know any of that. Well, I'll tell you what, you better work even harder than you sluggard. That's what I see. That's what I see. Well, then work harder at it. Yeah, then you better, you better play catch up. Well, you don't know what it's like for me, so I'm going to go and sit at home and watch TV all night. I'm going to sit at home and, and uh, well, you don't know what it's like for me. That's why I can't read my... No, that means read your Bible more. That means read your Bible more. That means come to church more. That means pray more. That means work harder. That's what it means, isn't it? There are no excuses. Get your mentality right and start saying, my heart shall not reproach me so long as I live or I shall have a good conscience as long as I live. That's what I believe that's saying. I shall have a good conscience so long as I live. Look, you're going to make mistakes, okay? In case anyone's sitting here thinking I'm preaching a sermon where, right, that's it, from this point onwards, no one should ever sin again. I'm not talking about that. You're going to have, have bad moments, but do you know what those with integrity do? They raise the bar. They put the bar up here. They don't lower it. They don't lower it and go, well, hey-ho, you know, all have sinned, so... I'll just carry on doing what I like, behaving how I like, being dishonest, lying to people, you know, not fulfilling my word, not turning up when I'm meant to turn up, not doing what I'm meant to do, not behaving as I'm meant to behave, because hey-ho, we're all sinners. No, some with integrity puts a bar up there, and they're disappointed with themselves every time they don't reach that bar. That's how we should be. Till I die, till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. So you, you get your mentality right. You start saying, my heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. They say, they say here, if you have integrity, they say, my righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. And do you know that, that there are some clear benefits to, to having integrity? There are clear benefits to being what someone would call someone with integrity. I, I, I did a little study on this in the Bible, and I'm going I'm to show you some of these benefits that you can see in the Bible on this. So if you turn to Proverbs chapter 11, like you know, the title is, I will not remove my integrity from me. Okay, that's a motto I want everyone in this church to have. I will not remove my integrity from me. And number one, number one, you're turning Proverbs 11, integrity guides you. Did you know that integrity guides you? Proverbs 11 and verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. So integrity can guide you as opposed to being destroyed. How does it, how does it guide you? Well, turn to, turn to Psalm 26. It helps you make decisions. For example, from long-term ones, like what job to apply for. Helps you make those sorts of decisions, doesn't it? What job to apply for? Because you have integrity, and anything which makes you be dishonest, anything which makes you be morally corrupt in any way, is just ruled out straight away. Straight away, you've just been guided by your integrity. You have integrity. You count integrity important. That's already guided you out of a lot of jobs that I can think of off the top of my hand. Dishonest jobs, jobs involving booze and things like this. Gone. Uh, you're in Psalm 26, aren't you? I'm going to read Proverbs 20 and verse 17, which says, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. So it's not just the long-term ones, short-term ones. For example, 
you know, long-term ones, for example, like, jo like jobs, bread of deceit. Bread of deceit here is basically getting gain from deceit, from something which is dishonest, okay? It might be sweet for a little bit, but afterwards your mouth shall be filled with gravel. It has a horrible taste. In fact, it's even worse for you. And a lot of the time, God's going to end up as a child of God, you're going to get chastised for it. So when we're looking at jobs, but short-term ones, for example, how do I deal with this awkward question? How do I deal with this awkward question? Someone with integrity, well, you don't lie, yeah? You don't try and deceive your way out of it. You don't have a little dishonest response. No, someone with, with, with integrity, straight away they're guided as to what not to do in that situation. A lot of the time narrows down your responses a lot, right? Integrity guides you in your business dealings. Yeah, and, and if you think, well, I'm not some big businessman, look, in any way. Integrity guides you when you're in a shop and someone tries to give you too much change. Integrity guides you as to what you do. You give them back the money. Integrity guides you as to when you're selling something. Maybe you're someone who needs to sell, decides to sell things online, on eBay or something else. Integrity guides you to not sell duds, to not rip people off, to not try and con people. Integrity guides you. Integrity guides you to do the honest thing. Integrity guides you that when you break something, when you have a little, I don't know, a little prang in the car park, that you make sure that that person knows, knows that you went into their car. You don't just try and sneak off. Integrity guides you in so many, so many areas of life, doesn't it? But if you don't have integrity, you'll be the type of person who, well, let's see what I can get away with. Let's see if I can just dishonestly just drive away. Let's see if I can dishonestly get away with that extra change, dishonestly get away with that thing that didn't get rung through by the cashier or whatever it is. And there's so many other areas, aren't there? It guides you in your relationships, doesn't it, as well? Integrity will guide you in your relationships, to be honest, to your children. Integrity would mean that you don't start telling lies about people like Santa Claus and tooth fairies. If you have integrity, you're not going to teach that sort of thing, are you? Integrity means that you're going to be honest to your, to, to your spouse. And they're going to be able to know that when you say what you say, they, they can trust you, right? Yeah, you have integrity as a man. I would imagine that your wife's not going to be wondering where you are every minute of the day if you have integrity. And I would imagine the other way around as well. You have integrity as a woman, your husband's not going to be constantly wondering, what is she up to? What's she doing while I'm not around? Because, look, we, we, we start to know when people have integrity and when they don't, don't we? You know deep down, don't you? you know, a lot of the time you know when you first meet someone, don't you? And let alone when you spend your life with someone. It, it also guides you away from backsliding. Did you turn to Psalm 26? Look at verse 1. It's the Psalm of David, it, it reads, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. Uh, sorry, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. You show me a dishonest Christian, a Christian with no integrity, and I'll show you a backslider waiting to happen. Okay, that's a backslider waiting to happen. Someone without integrity, someone without that moral uprightness, someone who just thinks, ah, oh, whatever, someone who lies through their teeth, and, and that's someone who's just, they're, they're basically a backsliding round the corner. Okay, it's coming because it takes integrity not to backslide. Okay, it takes some moral fibre. It takes some honesty to say, no, I know what the word of God says, and I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to behave like that. I'm not going to go down that route. Yeah, I will not. It takes integrity for that, right? Backsliding. He said, here, I have walked in mine integrity. I've trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. I shall not slide. And we want to be able to say that as well, don't we? I hope every Christian here wants to say, I shall not slide. Yeah, I shall not. It's not going to happen. 
Not well, we'll see what happens. I'm sure I've got a backsliding coming at some point. Hopefully it won't be for too long and I'll get back in the church at some point. No, I shall not slide, said David here. Turn to Acts 6. Because do you know that integrity will guide you into promotions in life as well? You know that? Integrity will guide you into promotions in life. So in Acts chapter 6, they're looking for deacons in the early church here, in the early New Testament church. Acts chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 3, Acts 6, 3. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So they're looking for deacons, they're looking for helpers to be able to serve tables, as they call it. What was the first quality on the list? Men of honest report. Men of honest report. And look, it's not just in church work, although in church work it is important, isn't it? Yeah, you just want men of honest report. You want people that, that clearly, amongst others, they just see them as honest people. Okay, in fact, it's really important in church work. But every good employer wants that, don't they? Yeah, a good employer wants people that are honest. Oh, they might not be the fastest at the job, but they're honest. They might not be the fastest, but they, they won't pull sickies every other week. They might not be the, the best at this particular aspect of the job, but when they say they're going to be there, they're going to be there, right? When, when they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. When they're around things of value, they're not going to rob it. When you ask them a question, they're just going to give you an honest answer. If they can't do a job, they're going to say, I can't do a job. I just hate that. You've been around those people that just claim to be experts in everything. Oh, they wind me up. So annoying. I used to employ someone like this. Everything that you ask him to do, I know exactly, 100% I know how to do it. And you get sucked into it, don't you? Now I've got a bit wiser with this. But when I was younger, I just, oh, well, they've said they, they've said they know what they're doing. Must know what they're doing. Look, he's so adamant. And so often they don't have a clue. That's not integrity, is it? They're lying because of their ego. Yeah, we should just be honest. I don't know how to do something. I don't know how to do it. No, I don't actually know that very well. No, no, I don't. That's, that's integrity, isn't it? Okay, and look, that's what a good employer wants. Someone that's honest, someone that's of honest report, someone who has integrity. And, and when you have that, you're going to be guided, aren't you? You're going to be guided by your integrity into job opportunities. You're going to be guided into promotions. You're get, and, and that includes, you might be guided into certain church work. It might be certain things outside the church, but it comes from having integrity. And people recognise about that, that about you pretty quickly. Now turn to Psalm 25. The title is, I will not remove mine integrity from me number one integrity guides you integrity guides you number two integrity preserves you integrity preserves you look at psalm 25 and we're going to look from verse 15 psalm 25 and verse 15 reads mine eyes are ever toward the lord for he shall pluck my feet out of the net turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me for I am desolate and afflicted so he said that that he shall pluck my feet out of the net he said he's desolate and afflicted the troubles of my heart are enlarged I bring thou me out of my distresses look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins consider mine enemies for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred keep my soul oh keep my soul and deliver me let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in thee let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait on thee in hard times in times of trouble in times of persecution integrity will preserve you okay that's what the psalms is saying here he's saying let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait on thee 
And it's what will preserve us in those times as well. We're all going to have hard times. We're all going to have tribulation. We're all going to have persecution if you're living right. Or ye, you know, if, if you live, sorry, all ye that live right to Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I haven't butchered that. Look, we're going to suffer it, okay? We're going to suffer it. Well, being able to say, no, I'm not in some serious sin, God isn't chastising me is, is, is a big part of that, isn't it? Yeah, you want to be able to say that, don't you? Yeah, you want to be able to say, look, I, I, I know, I know I'm not, like Job said, look, I know I'm not doing something bad. I'm not, oh, I don't know, probably, yeah, probably chastised me. You want to be able to say, look, I know this is tribulation. I know this is persecution. I know that this is because of, you know, this isn't because of something I've done. I know it's not because I'm in some serious wickedness. I know that it's not because I was in serious wickedness last week, but I'm not this week, so I'm not so sure. Is this, still, is this delayed chastisement? No, you want to be able to look back and go, no, I'm trying to live for God. My heart is right. I'm upright. I have integrity. I'm honest. I'm trying to live right. And, okay, I'm going through, through some tribulation. Yeah? I know God will deliver me. Yeah? And that, that, that comes from having integrity, doesn't it? Integrity will preserve you in those situations. Because the devil and his people are going to be accusing you, aren't they? Yeah, you notice that? When you do go through tribulation and persecution, people will be trying to accuse you. People will accuse you of this, accuse you of that, accuse you of making up this or being that or changing this or doing whatever they want to do. They're going to try and accuse you, aren't they? But you want to be able to say, no, I know. I know I've done right. I know I've been honest in this situation. I know I've been honest in, in all the past situations I can even think about because I have integrity. Yeah, that's how we want to live, don't we? We want to be able to look back and that will preserve you in those situations. Having enough integrity to not turn on God when times are hard. Okay, that takes integrity, doesn't it? Because really it's honesty. It's, it's, it's being able to go, look, I know what the word of God says. I know that I am going to go through things. I know that I'm not beyond that. Oh, I'm not so good that I'm not going to go through tribulation in life. Okay, and that takes some integrity. Not to just suddenly, no, and start shaking your fist and, and, and cussing out God for whatever it is you're going through. It takes integrity, doesn't it? To get through, to, to, to be preserved in those hard times. Turn to Genesis chapter 20. Because your integrity can also prevent God's chastisement. Because God doesn't just look on the outward appearance, does he? Yeah, God knows what's in your heart. God tries the heart and he tries the reins. Well, Psalm 26, 11, well, you're turning to Genesis 20, says, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeem me and be merciful unto me. Okay, when we're walking in our integrity, we can say, Lord, please be merciful unto me. Well, God will be merciful when you walk in your integrity. Now, in Genesis chapter 20, we look from the, from the beginning of the chapter, Abraham pulls this kind of famous dishonest stunt that he'd done earlier on in his life, claiming that Sarah is his sister in case anyone tries to kill him for her. Now, what's a bit strange about Genesis 20 is that I think she's pretty old at this point. Okay, so this isn't like back in, I think, Genesis 12 or 13, wherever it is before, when, when okay, she's this young lady. I mean, at this point, she's, she's, she's gone on a lot of years. So I think he's just got in the habit of this lie because hab lies do do that, don't they? You just kind of just get in a habit. When you start lying about something, that, that becomes habit forming, right? Well, and, and who knows how many times he's done this before. Maybe this was just what he did and he just gets used to it even when Sarah's going into her 90s. But... Regardless, he basically says she's his sister. So look at verse 1. Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerah. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. 
And Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she sorry for the woman which thou hast taken for she is a man's wife but Abimelech had not come near her and he said Lord wilt thou slay also a righteous nation said he not unto me she is my sister and she even she herself said he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this so Abimelech here is saying I didn't know it wasn't malicious it was an honest mistake and we can all make mistakes can't we in life yeah Anyone here think they're, they're beyond making a mistake? No, we can all make mistakes. But it's better when it's honest and you can still claim integrity of your heart, yeah? When you make an honest mistake, you make an error, you make a mistake, something that you didn't know before, it wasn't a presumptuous sin, it was something that you didn't really understand, you got wrong, you can say, look, in the integrity of my heart, I made that mistake. God's going to look at that differently, isn't he? Well, look at verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, yeah, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. He shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. So God lets him off because integrity preserves you, doesn't it? In fact, God's preserved him because it was in the integrity of his heart and, and, and didn't let him do that sin. Didn't let him basically lie with, with Abraham's wife. So integrity preserves you. We saw that integrity guides you. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20. The title is, I will not remove mine integrity from me. It, integrity guides you. Integrity preserves you. And number three, integrity blesses those around you. Integrity blesses those around you. So Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. I actually have this, this verse on my notice board. My wife gave it to me a while back, which I think, um, uh, you know, it's a great verse of the Bible. I really like this verse. And it says this, The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Why are his children blessed? Because a man with integrity won't be running after some flattering Jezebel, will he? Yeah? How about that? How about a man with integrity won't even contemplate that flattering whore that might come up at some point in his life, right? Maybe at multiple times in his life. Because a man with integrity won't be gambling away the monthly house rent, will he? A man with integrity won't be going up the bookies, won't be going down the casino, won't be on the online roulette with the monthly house rent behind everyone's back, deceiving people with whatever addiction he has. A man with integrity won't be getting sacked from every job he has. Yeah? A man with integrity, a man with integrity won't be doing many, many things that you could think about that, that, that will eventually ruin his family. Yeah? A man with integrity won't be in some sneaky, deceitful sin behind everyone's back, sneaking off, spending his, his days or his evenings away pretending he's still at work and the rest of it. A man with integrity won't do that. Because quick kids do quickly learn whether or not their parents are honest, don't they? Kids learn it quickly. Okay? They see it quickly. Look, they're around you a lot of hours of each day. Yeah, If you're dishonest, if you're constantly trying to pull the wool over people's eyes if you just your instinct reaction is to lie when you're caught out on something look kids pick up on that quickly okay and a man with integrity doesn't do that does he a man with integrity won't do that 
because children learn from their parents, don't they? So it's not just that, well, those kids are going to be happier not thinking, well, dad's just a filthy liar. Mum's just a liar and God hates lying. So God hates mum and dad because they just lie all the time. Well, it's not just that, but the kids learn it as well, don't they? Do you know why those children are blessed? Because people without integrity, uh, most of the time will raise children without integrity. Okay, now there are exceptions to the rule, okay? It's not always the way, but a lot of the time, look, that's how we learn, don't we? That's how children learn. They learn from example most of the time. You can tell them, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. You can tell them, be honest, be honest, be honest. You can tell them, you know, be morally upright, be morally upright. But if you're just this terrible example, that's what they're going to learn from. So the just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Well, turn to 1 Kings 9, because it's not just that they're going to hopefully learn that from their parents, but it's not just them, because integrity can get passed down from generation to generation. Or alternatively, you can just remove that integrity from the generations following you. 1 Kings 9, we're going to see from verse 1, Solomon has just finished building the temple, and this was an almighty task that took uh, many, many years. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which, which he was pleased to do, this is 1 Kings 9 and verse 1, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever as I promised to David thy father, saying, there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. So the offer was there. If he had walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, and we see in verse 6 it includes his children doing that as well, well, it didn't really matter because Solomon had already failed, okay? Solomon failed by the end of his life. Solomon, at the end of his life, he stopped walking in integrity, started seeking after false gods, false idols. It seemed that, that all his many wives led his heart astray, led his heart to these false gods. But again, ultimately, who was to blame? Solomon, right? It was his... He basically didn't uphold, he didn't keep hold of his integrity, did he? And Solomon, eventually, he ends up going in a bad way. But had he done that, had he done that, and had his children continued to do that, well, it said here that then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon, upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. So, look, we as, we as parents, and I include mothers here as well, we can be a blessing to our family. Yeah, that, that can be inherited down, and if they continue to, to walk right, they can be a blessing to their family. Or we can be a cursing. Or we can just cut that blessing. We can just stop that. We can, we can look, we can end up, we can end up being, sadly, the reason that further generations don't end up getting saved. Oh, well, I got my kids saved. That's right. Yeah, but you, you live a wicked life. You're, you're dishonest. People are look at you thinking, you know, can I even trust what that person says? They're dishonest, they have no integrity, their morals stink. And then what happens to that child? The likelihood is they might be saved, but they might end up following in the same way. They're more likely to do that. And then what happens further down the line? 
does it just do people keep getting saved or do the things of god become less important is it harder for them to even to even know how to preach the gospel a generation or two down the line look and, and when you read the bible have you ever noticed how important it is for the people of the bible what will happen to their seed after them we should care about that shouldn't we because that's a big responsibility you know when you have children you're you're basically you're starting a new line aren't you or at least you're continuing your line and that line that seed that's coming from you that's an important thing that's the important thing your sons your son's sons your son's son's sons and and i mean children here including daughters look we want to be making sure that we're, we're putting into the world through those children people that are going to make a difference that are going to be not only get saved but also go and get other people saved they're going to serve god that are going to do the things of god yet how many people just say ah whatever whatever with the kids whatever with the grandkids look it blesses those around us or it can curse those around us but it's not just our children either you know that, that our integrity will affect others that we want to get saved as well turn to first peter 2 those those unbelieving family members want to speak against you as evildoers don't they we should be like Job who said, God forbid that I should justify you. God forbid that I should justify you. Those that want to speak against you, well, 1 Peter chapter 2, we see that something else happens when we're honest, when we have integrity. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conversation, which is your behaviour, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So there are many here that might say, my family member rejected the gospel. What do I do? Do I just keep like making them hear it week in, week out? Say to yourself, I will not remove my integrity from me. How about that? say, I will not remove my integrity from me. They're going to see my conversation, my behaviour that's honest among the Gentiles. They're going to, they might speak against me as an evildoer, but they may by my good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Look, that's, that's one of the best things you can do. Yeah, you need to preach in the gospel, but you want to be a shining light, right? Don't you? Yeah, let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And, and look, it's not, you yeah, yeah, we, we have to preach in the gospel, okay? We don't want to go too far and become like the liberal sissy church where they're like, just be a shining light, be a shining light, and never mention, don't even, I might mention God once, you know? I don't want to put fish on my car and then that, that'll solve it. That's a bit of soul winning, isn't it? No, obviously we don't want to go that far, but we do need to be a shining light as well, right? Okay, they'll take a little bit of truth and go run away the other way with it, but we should be a shining light. And we do that by having integrity. We do that by being morally upright and that's the best thing you can do. You have those people that are just, well, you know, not interested. Family members, they could be close family members sometimes that just reject the word of God. It's, it's gutting, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, make sure you have integrity. Make sure you're upright. And here's another thing. They're more likely to listen and believe you, right? Aren't they? They're more likely to believe what you're saying. And I know it's a spiritual thing ultimately, but you know what? They're more likely to at least hear you and have some respect for what you're saying if every other thing that comes out of your mouth isn't a lie. If they're not sitting there going, oh, is he, is he telling the truth again right now? Because he lies about everything else. He lies about why he couldn't come round. He lies about why he was late. He lies about why, what, you know, why he hasn't come into work today. But, but I'm going to listen to him now while he's talking about God. No, have, have some integrity. And I'll tell you what, it'll help your soul winning in your personal life as well, won't it? 
And in fact, it's not just the, 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 uh, the, our personal life as well. It should also go for when we're out soul winning. When we're out soul winning, be upright, be honest. Don't lie to gain access to flats. How about that one? Don't lie. Like, how, many, how many Christians think that's okay? Oh, I'll just lie through the tannoy and tell them I'm whoever, I'm a pizza delivery man, to get, to get access to flats. There are people from my church that have done stuff. That's not okay. Yeah, have it to, like the Bible says to have integrity, doesn't it? Be honest. God hates lying. I don't want it. Look, if, if, if I can't get in without lying, well, then, I, then I'll go somewhere else. Yeah, I only have limited time anyway. Okay, be honest. And, and look, if you're out there and you're encouraging people to do that, and you're going soul winning from this church, you're saying to people, I remember some of the wicked guys that we kicked out was trying to tell me to get a skeleton key to let ourselves into people's flats. Can you imagine how that's going to look? Oh, how did you get in? Or someone sees you coming in with a skeleton key. Wait a second, what, you're from the local church? And they were honestly trying to persuade me to get, I say, no, that, that's not, that is not a good advertisement for our church, letting ourselves into locked flats with skeleton keys. But in the same way, lying to get yourself in. How about we're giving out some church, we're giving out some Christian literature, we're giving out some flyers, we're from a local Baptist church, whatever it is, yeah? But how about tell the truth? But look, because it's important, isn't it? I was thinking about another one as well. Lying about how long it will take. Now, hear me out on this, yeah? Yeah, you don't have to say, look, by the way, it's likely to take 45 minutes to an hour if you're a little bit funny about hearing the gospel. And, and there's nothing wrong with saying to someone, have you got five minutes? Because ultimately, they need to have five minutes, yeah? Okay, but don't say to them, this will only take me five minutes. Okay, because that's a lie, isn't it? Okay, and is that a good start? No, because it gets to the 15, 20, 25, 30 minute mark, and they're thinking, this guy's a liar. He told me it was only going to take five minutes. Now, I will say to someone, look, if you've got five minutes, I'll show you. But then at some point, I'm going to say, look, do you have longer? Or look, look, now that you've heard like this, can I show you some more? Yeah, how about that? Instead of, oh, it'll only take, have you got a couple of minutes? Oh, it'll, only take, it'll only take me two minutes. 35 minutes later, and you're trying to hammer home, you know, eternal security. And they're like, what on earth? What happened to the two? And then you've got to, yeah, well, basically, I lied. I lied because I wanted you to, is that Okay. It's not okay, is it? Yeah, we're going to have some integrity, don't we? Have some integrity, be honest when you knock on that door. Tell them where you're from as well, from Shaw Foundation. But look, it, it, it just something, because this is something I've heard as well from different people as well. Can I just make this clear, okay? When you knock on the door for Shaw Foundation Baptist Church UK, okay, we're knocking from Shaw Foundation Baptist Church UK and we're giving out church invites. That's why we're knocking. Okay, not whatever, like whatever you want, some other stuff you want to say. That no, we're giving out. That's why we're knocking on the door because we're giving out church invitations. Now, after that, yeah, we want to get people saved. But first thing, please, just without like the sort of hey, you know, we're knocking and then it's like we're for sure Foundation Baptist Church and then start talking about I don't know the Word of God and is it look. It's a church invite. That's why we've got church invites. That's our icebreaker. Okay, the church invite. Show them the church invite. Show them what, you know, the, about the church. It's a really, for me, it's been a great icebreaker local here, okay? And people, look, we're a local church. We're in the area. We've just been planted. That's fine, yeah? And then start, start preaching to them, if you can, the gospel. Then, make, then, then pretty quickly, after showing them the church invite, ask them the key question, yeah? Okay? And look, and that's all honest, isn't it? Yeah, we are giving you a church. Yeah, we'd love you to come to our church. Look, I'd love you to come unsaved to our church as well, because then we'll try and get you saved when you're here. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. That's what we're doing. We're inviting people to our church, but we're hoping we can get them saved on the doorstep, yeah? But with that, let's, let's be honest about it, yeah? Don't, don't break into people's flats. <laughs> don't, uh, don't con your way into, you know, into a conversation and stuff. 
Don't pretend that you're just going to, you know. And here's another one. Okay, and this is another one. It's dishonest. Oh, okay, well, can I just show you one verse from the Bible? Okay, here's one verse from the Bible. Now I'm going to speed talk for 10 minutes and preach you five other verses before you get a word in edgeways to say stop. That's dishonest. Okay, ask them, sure, if you show one verse, you go, can I continue? Great, continue. Can I just show you one verse from the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right, what that means is blah, 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 blah. And this verse says this, and this verse says that. Five, ten minutes later, and, and they're just like, you know, the doors, like the cracks getting smaller, smaller. It's dishonest, yeah? Like, ask to show them a verse, ask them if they want to continue, okay? So, point being, we should have integrity. That's when we're out soul winning. That's when it's with people in our personal lives. And it's up to them if, if, it's up to them if they want to hear us then, okay? And they're not sitting there going or standing there thinking, who is this dishonest person? You don't have to turn it. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, okay, you could obviously apply that to other things as well, and people preaching false doctrine, etc. But you could also apply that to just how we go and preach the gospel, right? Not, not, you know, we should renounce hidden things of dishonesty, we shouldn't walk in craftiness, and we shouldn't handle the word of God deceitfully, okay? And, and that includes trying to just find verses, and, and just something to be careful of, and look, it's something we all have to watch out for when we're preaching. Another thing to remember with that with integrity is not just trying to find a verse which props up something which isn't in the Bible. Yeah? Out of context, and how many preachers do that? Oh, well, this verse backs up what I already wanted to say. Let the Bible, let the Bible guide what you want to say, right? Okay, don't try and make the Bible fit your point of view. Your point of view fits the Bible, right? Okay, so turn to Psalm chapter 7. We're going to finish up here. The title is, I will not remove mine integrity from me. Number one, integrity guides you. Number two, integrity preserves you. And number three, integrity blesses those around you. Okay? Integrity blesses those around you. And when we have integrity, or at least we want to aim to have the sort of integrity that we'll then be able to say, like David did in Psalm 7 and verse 8, the Lord shall judge, his, judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. And look, that's the goal for everyone here, isn't it? That should be our goal. That, that we, should, we should want to be able to say that. God, judge me according to mine integrity. That's not according to my absolute perfectness, as we'd use the word perfect today. That's not saying, right, of perfection or however you you know, w w the correct grammar on that. That's not trying to say that. It's not trying to say that we will never get a thing wrong, but that's saying, look, are you doing things with an honest heart? Are you doing things with an upright, an attempt not to sin, not to just presumptuously sin, not to just, just be dishonest when it suits you? And, and if you are doing that, you should be able to say, judge me, our Lord, according to my righteousness, according to mine integrity that is in me. That was, I will not remove mine integrity from me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for for your word, and I thank you for the, the you know the clear teachings you give us about the sort of characters that we should have as Christians, the sort of characters which are lacking, sadly, in so many people in the world today, but also in so many Christians in the world today who who just seem to not even put any importance on on things like integrity, on honest on honesty and just being upright in our morals on holding you know our righteousness fast and 
Lord, I pray that you help our church to, to make, you know, to put that as something important in our lives, to everyone here, to want to have integrity, to want to be known as being people with integrity, to not just, just you know, think that it's not important. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you help us to, to show that integrity when we go out today and, and follow your clear command to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us to, to, to make an effort to go and do that, to soul win, to, to, to also return this evening for, for, for this evening's service as well. And Lord, we, we, we pray that you just, just bless our church, Lord. Bless those that, that we come across today. Help us get many people saved. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.